You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is Welcome back, folks, to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are coming to you in the couple days after the New York Giants season ended, after a victory for the Washington football team that sent them to the playoffs and the victor of the NFC East, a 6-10 and Giants team that did a lot of fantastic things this year, some frustrating things at points, but overall, the sentiment I feel like that that we had was that there's been a lot of progress for this team. We're gonna talk a little bit, our, our takeaways and our thoughts from the season, and then start to transition our focus looking forward at the offseason. Today's episode is going to serve as a transition point before we completely shift our focus and start preparing for what is going to be a very important offseason for key integral success in 2021. But the, the clear thing that I think the big part of what we're going to talk about here in the beginning, Chris, is so many things exceeded our expectations in 2020. There was a period of time where we came together, did a roundtable episode, and we talked about how Daniel Jones might not be the guy because he started the season really poorly. They were 0-5 at one point. We were talking about if you're picking second overall, do you go in that direction? Do you draft Justin Fields? And things completely changed. Now they're picking 11th and they still only won six games. But where we stand right now, as we said on the last show we did, the we're, right now, I'm far more positive about this Joe Judge team than I was about any year that Pat Shermer was the head coach at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. The Giants did give us reasons to be to be optimistic, which is something we you know, they haven't done in a while, really since 2016, when you know they went 11 and five, swept the Cowboys, and you know they basically just had injuries pile up at the end of the year and got knocked out of the playoffs in the wild card round. Now they're they're still a long way away from eleven and five, at least record wise. But we did see enough positive things by the end of the year to have optimism for next year. Yeah, optimism is I think the the clear case. That is what we're going to be talking about a lot. And again, I'm I'm extremely optimistic, more optimistic than I've been at any point since covering the Giants, which hasn't been as long as some of the other people that are with Big Blue View, but. Nonetheless, optimistic right now in what is supposed to be a turnaround, a complete change of direction with a new head coach in Joe Judge, who had some easy, sorry, not easy is not the right word, some strong success 
to start out in his first year as a head coach. So the first thing I want to hit on, what do we think was our biggest takeaway? What was something from this season that really stuck out to us? What is something that we can say definitively that like this is very clear about the Giants' situation? Chris, what, what do you think is that one thing that stands out to you so much right now? I would have to say that the NFC East is there for the taking in 2021. You know, there is not a clear best team in this division. In fact, you know, we came very close to having the Giants win the division at 6-10. and 10. That would have been the worst division winner and the worst division in NFL history. So the fact that they are, they are close to winning, they are close to being the best team in the division, you know, they, they will have that opportunity next year, especially since the Eagles are a mess right now. Dallas, who knows if they're going to implode or not, you know, who knows if they'll even be able to bring Dak Prescott back next year. And then Washington, you know, yes, they won the division. They went into the playoffs, but they have a huge, massive quarterback question. Their win drops them down really out of the running for one of these top quarterbacks. And they will be facing a division winner's schedule next year, which means they get to face the Green Bay Packers. They get to face the Seattle Seahawks in addition to the Kansas City Chiefs, in addition to the New Orleans Saints. So it's kind of hard to see that Washington team coming away with wins in really any of those games right now. Whereas the Giants, they've, they're going to have an easier schedule. They've got, they're in a better position roster-wise. And I believe they're in, probably in a better position salary cap-wise. So they can position themselves to come away as the division winners next year. That's a fantastic point. This isn't another conference like the AFC West where you have the Chiefs sitting on top and in order to head to the playoffs, you have to make the wild card. No, this is a situation where the Giants could be 10-6, and 11-5 and five and make the playoffs next year. If you could make the playoffs with seven wins, there is a, a definitive fact here. If the Giants play strong, good football and beat the good teams, a couple good teams on their schedule next year, they very well could be a playoff team. And you already mentioned some of those bits and pieces and those tidbits from each individual team. Like right now, the Eagles, they're in cap hell. They have so many cap problems because of the big contracts that they're currently on the hook for. If they can't move Carson Wentz, where does that put them? Do they have dead money that they have to deal with? That is a real big key factor Dallas could rebound in the second year under Mike McCarthy if Dak Prescott comes back, but Washington's not really a clear-cut guarantee to win the division again. If Alex Smith maybe continues to start, do they go out and get a free agent? There's just too many question marks, especially at the, the quarterback position, to really be very confident in any of those teams. But for me, the other takeaway that I have is I learned this year that the Giants are very capable of running the ball well and that should be what the focus is offensively next season. We saw that without Saquon Barkley, and in those first two games, he was getting attacked like crazy. They tried to run the ball. There was nowhere to run the football because they were stacking the box. But as things started to get a little bit more comfortable for this new group after you get through that that growing pain phase early on in the season after the first four games because there was no preseason, you started to see some consistency running the ball. Wayne Gallman had a bunch of really good games. He also had a lot of really good pickups. And heck, if you're able to get 
freaking Alfred Morris going on the ground, that means you're doing a really good job run blocking. And I think next year, when you get Saquon Barkley back, he is going to have success. And even if teams are going to stack the box and prevent you from running the football like they did early on, like the Bears and the and the Steelers did, I would argue that in the third year of Daniel Jones' development, hopefully he's comfortable enough and also smart enough and talented enough to take advantage of those situations. This is probably going to be, if Jason Garrett returns as the offensive coordinator, which as of right now, it seems pretty clear unless he heads to the Chargers, who he's currently interviewing for that head coaching job, this is probably going to be a very run-centric team. Yeah, well, right now, the way they're built, they kind of have to be a run-centric team, which I think is something we're going to be getting to in the second half of the show. The way they ran the ball, especially considering the way they started out running the ball, where defenses, you know, they, they almost didn't even have to stack the box to stop the Giants' run because their defensive fronts were getting penetration almost as soon as the ball was snapped. But you know, once the offensive line started to settle in, uh, once they got Wayne Gallman out there and uh, his just super efficient running style, you know, as the guy who spends the least amount of time behind the line of scrimmage of any running back in the NFL and is just always such a hard runner. You know, that worked so well with this, the strengths of this offensive line as blockers where he didn't need them to open up a hole and then three cutback lanes. Yeah. You know, he didn't need them to open up a hole for three or four seconds. He could get a hole for half a second, get through it and then carry defenders for an extra two or three yards to get his five or six yard pickup and doing that consistently play in play out that worked so well for this offense now let's unpack something that surprised us something that exceeded our expectations at the beginning of the year the one for me chris and i have to say it folks i got a little bit of uh, a little bit of slack from people got people were giving me a hard time at the beginning of the year for being so aggressively against Leonard Williams. Not a lot, but some people were not fond of that opinion. And I'll be completely honest. I'm eating my words right now. Leonard Williams played a fantastic season. He was a big reason why the defensive line was so successful this year. And I, that surprised the hell out of me. I didn't think that Leonard Williams could string it together in a, a second season after doing so poorly in his first year with the Giants, first half of a year for the Giants. But you saw him creating pressure. You saw him eating up blocks and manhandling some lesser quality offensive linemen, even some good offensive linemen. But the big thing for me, you saw the value that originally was there for Leonard Williams when he was coming out of USC. And part of me wonders, is Leonard Williams now fully healthy after dealing with a lot of issues early on in his career? That early value that everybody talked about was a, a big, long defensive tackle that was a good pass rusher. And he was able to pass rush pretty well. Not to a point where he's going to be the primary pass rusher next season, but if you have a defensive tackle who can rush the patcher, passer, that is ultimately a, a big, big advantage amongst your group. You know, for me, my surprise, and I'm going to say very specifically, the way the secondary basically confused and shut down Russell Wilson in a season in which he was having really an MVP caliber campaign. But I'm going to kind of expand that out and link it to your point. It's just the way the Giants secondary was able to keep the ball in most quarterbacks' hands. And I think that really played a key central role 
in the improvement in their pass rush. You know, you talked about Leonard Williams, but you know, as you said, he is not a primary pass rusher. He is a guy who can pressure the quarterback. That's the thing we saw last year with the, you know, with the Jets and with the Giants is like he could pressure the quarterback. He could you know, hit and knock down the quarterback, but he, the sack production wasn't there. Well, this year with the pass coverage, slowing down opposing passing games, keeping the ball in quarterback's hands, confusing them, uh, making them pull the ball down. Like we saw Andy Dalton do quite a few times in week 17 that gave Williams the time to get into the backfield, to hit the quarterback. And, you know, to me, that was the most impressive thing, you know, especially once we saw the whole saga with DeAndre Baker and then Sam Beal opting out. And we were left with Isaac Yadam and, you know, just that whole rotating cast across from James Bradbury and Xavier McKinney breaking his foot and being out for most of the year. And Logan Ryan coming in off the street on about two days notice, you know, the way this secondary stepped up was to me just a massive surprise. Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely agree with that, too. You, you, overall, for me, defensively, I, I had not much of an expectation because we go from one season where the secondary was Swiss cheese and everybody was getting gashed, everybody was getting killed. There were so many problems. They were giving up so much yardage. It was a lot of young players that were out there. There was no pass rush. They, they couldn't stop anything. And to go from that with just a, a couple guys added to the mix, a really good rookie group that had a lot of contributors, not big playmakers, but contributors, having all of that in the mix was enough to take it from a bottom defense to a top 10, top 15 group. They weren't perfect because they still have a couple pieces that we can all agree they need to address, but to take that much of a, a, a pendulum swing in the opposite direction was very surprising to me, and it's exciting to see what's going to happen in the upcoming year and what's going to happen in 2021. Yeah, of course, that does kind of hinge on whether or not Patrick Graham is back, or at least it might hinge, because he really did an excellent job adjusting and scheming throughout the year and teaching these players because we didn't see the kinds of breakdowns that we saw under James Betcher or a few years back, Perry Fuel. So... I think keeping Patrick Graham around or whether or not he leaves because the Giants kind of can't force him to stay if the Jets or another team do offer him a head coaching position. Yeah, that I think will be key because right now we don't really know what this defense would look like without him there calling the shots. Now we're going to transition our focus in talking a little bit about what to expect with the offseason and teasing a little bit of the, the conversations and the shows and the things that we're going to talk about throughout the NFL draft process and also free agency, that is going to be coming up very soon. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. Now the big question here is Chris, and this is not a, a final answer. This is not us just slapping a stamp on and saying, all right, this is what we're going to talk about the whole offseason. But as of right now, what do we think is the biggest priority? What do we think in the offseason needs to be the biggest positional need for the Giants to address? This can either be in the draft or in free agency. What direction do they need to go in to help this team go from being promising to getting over the hump and turning into a conference winning team? I, is there really much of a question? Uh, specific position is receiver wide receiver specifically and just the passing offense in general you know the the giants fielded the second worst offense in the nfl there there's just no nice way to put that the only team that was worse than them especially over the last month month and a half of the season were the jets and you know that that's something you just have to fix because you cannot win consistently if you know the best you can hope for is 20 points a game or less. You know, you that is a lot to put on a defense week in, week out, especially as more tape, you know, other teams get to have more tape of this defense. You know, eventually the if the Giants are going to win consistently, and you know, we said the NFC East is there for the taking, if they're going to take it, they're going to have to be able to move the ball and score consistently. And right now they just can't do that. Yeah, I, I'm going to completely agree with you on this one. I am legitimately concerned specifically with the receiver group. There are some nice, talented guys in this group. Darius Slayton has proven that he is, can be a big play threat. He can be a guy that can step up in some games. Sterling Shepard, if healthy, is a very good receiver, does a lot of really good stuff out of the slot, but I don't think any of them have proven to be a dynamic enough guy that diverts a lot of attention. The issue that we continually saw this season, Chris, was so many guys being locked up and nobody getting open. There was limited separation. The numbers back that, the analytics back that. Guys were just straight up not getting open, and that put Daniel Jones in some games in a really tough spot because he would just be standing there and watching and waiting, similar similar to what we were talking about what the Giants secondary does to other quarterbacks. When nobody was open, it led to some of these sacks and some of these issues, and he obviously ended up cleaning up some of the fumbling problems. We didn't see much of that at the, at the end of the year except for some games. They need to get somebody. They need to draft a big-name player in the first or second round. That, for me, has to be the biggest priority. I don't think there's going to be anyone you can go get in free agency right now. Maybe you can swing a trade for a disgruntled player that wants to leave, but you have to get somebody that is a problem for opposing defenses because if that guy is good enough to still get touches when he's covered tightly or there's a lot of extra cover coverage shifted in his direction, it is only going to help the rest of the players. Without it, we're going to continue to see Daniel Jones throw for 205 yards and a touchdown if he's lucky. Yeah, and you know, fixing that 
passing game, you know, getting that number one X receiver that will help Sterling Shepard. We know he is at his best out of the slot. He is very dependable and he can have nice productive games as a slot receiver, you know, against the Cowboys. He had what 120 some yards and a touchdown plus, you know, the extra yards and touchdown he had as a runner. And then that also allows Darius Slayton to be that stretch the field third option, like uh, Mario Manningham, uh, Miles Austin, Ted Ginn. That fits his skill set very well. But then the Giants just still lack that big X receiver, the guy the defense has to respect. And that will also help the running game by forcing the defense to really defend the whole field and not just swarm downhill to the ball carrier. And and ultimately, it's just about roster balance and right now the receivers don't have a guy that can help the offense be a little bit more balanced so first or second round you can definitely get a very talented player just look at all the names in the past few years we've seen go in the first round in the later end of the first round if they wanted to trade back in or in the second round you could end up with a guy like Michael Thomas if you draft properly but that 1000% has to be addressed. And speaking of addressing things, Chris, we have to make sure that we talk about the Giants' upcoming free agents, guys that we're a little bit worried if they're going to be coming back. And the big question mark for me, and I think you're going to agree with me on this, the the one thing that we've been talking about throughout the season, just mentioning it, and other analysts have been mentioning it this season, is what do you do with the Giants free agent defensive tackles Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams can you keep both of them and I'm going to say right now it might be complicated it might be hard it might take up a lot of your cap you've got 20 million to work with but you need to keep both of them you cannot allow nickeling and diming guys to completely screw up what was clearly your best position group this past season yeah and I I think you you mentioned ro- roster balance just a minute ago. That is going to be the tricky spot. The Giants absolutely can come up with salary cap room. You know, they can cut Golden Tate. They can cut Nate Solder. They can move on from Kevin Zeitler if they want. Uh, David Mayo, Levine Toilolo. They, you know, there are moves they can make to create salary cap room. But then they also have the needs to address. To address. You know, they maybe they do feel the need to go out and sign a receiver like Juju Juju Smith-Schuster or uh, Chris Godwin. Maybe they decide they need to go get an edge if they're not confident in a premium pass rusher falling to them in the draft, which, you know, it's right now pretty much their best hope is Micah Parsons. I think that's something we can both agree on. But, you know, maybe they go out and get Hassan Reddick. Now, if they start trying to fill those needs, you know, then what happens with those free agents? And I think I would add Wayne Gallman to that list as well because he is a free agent as well. And we saw his value, especially in the red zone short yardage situations. Then, you know, it might not be nickel and diming, but then you definitely have to take economics into account. Who has the biggest impact for the biggest money? And, you know, I don't think anyone wants to see any of these guys leave, but, you know, that the Giants are going to have some big big and probably difficult questions to answer coming up. And you know, that's why I've been saying they need to have a very smart offseason. And based on what we've seen and the way that they played this year, 
at the bare minimum, it's probably going to be at least $12 million a year for them separately. So that's going to be about $24 million. The Giants are looking at around $20 million. And that $12 million number is just like an average range. It could be more than that. They could somehow convince them to sign for less, which is probably not going to happen. But the, the key thing that you brought up here, Chris, is the fact that they're in a position where they have a couple contracts that are on the payroll that are really not worth the value that they're getting. And I point immediately to Nate Solder, and I point immediately to Golden Tate. You need to find ways to move on from both of those players because right now I don't think Nate Solder is a fit with this team. I'm not asking Andrew Thomas to move back to right tackle. Do I even know if Nate Solder can play right tackle? That that I think is something that I don't want to mess with. I would rather have Matt Parrott out there or... Heck, for the amount of money you're paying Cam Fleming, I'd rather have him than Nate Solder out there. The problem that holds back NFL teams is when they have big contracts and those players are not playing up to the value of that contract. And there are a couple guys that could free up a ton of space if they moved on from them, particularly those two. It's just a matter of execution and being willing to do it. Yeah, again, the, the Giants have to be careful not to fall into the trap the Eagles did. Now, for a long time, the Eagles have been salary cap wizards, you know, really fitting a tremendous number of really good premium players under a salary cap. But then those guys basically all declined. They all got old all at the same time. And now they're, as you put it, in salary cap hell with a bunch of boat anchor contracts on you know, old declining injured players and it, their situation is a mess the giants cannot allow themselves to fall into that if they don't they could be in great positions you know for the next few years as the salary cap goes up after it contracts this this offseason it's going to take a lot of work and hopefully dave gettleman who as of right now appears to be the general manager going forward who is going to be the guy for this upcoming season if he's willing to move on from those contracts doesn't try to get cute with it doesn't try to give these guys the benefit of the doubt if he can move on it's much better for him to move on from two players like Golden Tate and Nate Solder than to allow someone like Dalvin Tomlinson or Leonard Williams to walk after the performances that they gave us so this upcoming offseason we're going to spend a lot of time Breaking down what we saw this year, we're going to do some positional recaps and fill you in on how we think the position group graded out, guys that should stay, guys that should leave, maybe guys that should be replaced with draft picks. Uh, Additionally, we'll be preparing you for the NFL draft, talking about prospects and various subjects that will cover the NFL draft. And then lastly, we'll obviously be covering uh, NFL free agency throughout this offseason. Folks, thank you for tuning in as always. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date. And if you like listening to the show, please, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review and maybe write something nice. It means a lot. It's kind of like restaurants. The only people who leave reviews are the ones who have a problem with it. So please, if you like the show, um, give us a positive review. It really helps us out uh, a ton. Additionally, uh, follow us on social media at BigBlueView, at Joe DeLeon, and at RaptorMKII. Lastly, head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants content. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.